South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. September is here. That means summer is on its way out, and we have a month left of Blue Jays baseball. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. That's right. Blue Jays baseball pretty much has one month remaining, just a little bit less. They are officially eliminated from any sort of postseason discussion. Not that there was much hope for it anyway, but there's still plenty to talk about. Joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays is Ryan McNeil of Athletes Unfiltered and pretty much a lot of other stuff. Dude, you got your hands in everything. How's it going, man? It is going fantastic. I am kind of pumped that summer is over. First week back at school. But last weekend, I was on the field for Tulsa and Michigan State. And then on (laughs) Saturday, the next night, I was on the field for Middle Tennessee at Michigan. I am living a sports fan's dream. I love college football. I love my baseball and basketballs around the corner. So my three sports are about to be like, Perfect symbiosis. It's crazy, right? It's like that time of year that the with the baseball season winding down, right? Summer, you get that feeling in your bones that up, oh, got to get a hoodie ready, up, oh, got to get like a coat ready because you never know. It's like those moments where you wake up and in the morning there's this chill in the air, but you go into work and all of a sudden you're out to lunch and it's like, oh my god, it's it's blazing hot. It's super uncomfortable. It's like one of those those. Very uncomfortable in terms of temperature-wise. It's it's just crazy. I agree that temperature is cooling off. But, Adam, baseball, we may not for the Blue Jays, I guess I should say, but baseball in general, we have pennant races heating up. And we have some former Blue Jays on the Astros and other teams like Tampa Bay where if you're a baseball fan, you can watch these former Blue Jays and enjoy these pennant races this month. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that, you know, there is this sort of family aspect when it comes to how Blue Jays fans treat their former players, especially those players that didn't want to leave or didn't express a desire to leave. And we sort of gravitate and bring them in as our own. And, you know, you mentioned like players like Joe Biagini, Aaron Sanchez, or if you're referencing other players that are within the system, within the postseason run, like Eric Sogard for Tampa Bay, if they make Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson. There you go. Yeah. How could I forget Edwin Encarnacion? Like there are these players that we have embraced and regarded as family. And now they're, they're really making that next push. So you're right. Even though the blue Jays are out of contention, if you're still a diehard fan and you have, have appreciated what these players have done for you, no matter how long they have been on this team, um, you have reason to still watch baseball heading into October. A hundred percent. And MLB TV is pretty cheap this last month. Good deal, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I don't know how it is for you guys, but um, living in the states, having T-Mobile, seeing though T-Mobile is the official sponsor of MLB, I get to watch MLB TV for free. That is a nice perk. I wish we had that with Telus or Rogers up here in Toronto. Speaking of nice perks, um, as I mentioned, September has arrived and we're heading towards the end of the Blue Jays season, but there's still time to catch them live. In fact, if you we we here at South of the Six, uh, as I mentioned, we are part of the Vivid Seat Studios. We have a special deal for you to to see them live if you want to. Um, you want to save up to 100 bucks off your tickets to see the Jays? It's simple. Just download the Vivid Seats app on your favorite device and whatever you know application store that you use. Use promo code OVERTIME and you can save up to 100 bucks. This is limited to, to uh, first-time customers only. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME, all one word, see the Jays live in September if you want. Ryan, there you go. Use promo code OVERTIME. You know all too well about this. I am all over this like a fat kid on cake. <laughs> all right, um, let's let's get into some Blue Jays talk here. Um, the rosters have expanded, right? And there are extra bodies all over the field, and we get to see a taste of the youth right now making their impact on this team. Um, it's pretty important to see the updates of how these players have excelled through the minor league system. And you've had the opportunity to talk to Bison's manager, Bobby Meacham, as well as their hitting coach, Corey Hart. Um, I'm sure they gave you a bunch of nuggets of information regarding the youth of the squad that has found their way on this Blue Jays team. So what can you tell us about your interactions with both Meacham and Hart and how excited are you for this youth surge that we're experiencing? I'm loving the youth surge is giving me, I don't know if hope's the right word. I always felt the past few years, even with the playoffs, I knew that it wasn't a team that could win a World Series. You had to get a bunch of lucky breaks. I feel with this young core, with Vladi and Biggio and Bichette as the main three to build around with some nice complimentary pieces as well, there's hope this could win a World Series. Now, when I was in Buffalo, what really struck me is that Bobby Meacham is like that grandpa who cares about his players and has a bunch of wise, sage advice. And he has a really cool, chill personality. Like he's very passionate about helping these young kids, but he's very calm and reassuring. And, and that's huge. Corey Hart, I think, should be a major league hitting coach, but talking to him, it's clear he loves being at the triple A level. One of the things I asked him is like, well, wouldn't you prefer to be on nicer hotels and <laughs> chartered planes? And it was very clear talking with him. Yeah, it would be nice, but he really finds working with these kids rewarding. And I sat with him. I sat outside the batting cages in Buffalo and watched him. Rowdy Telez had just been called back to Buffalo he was a little frustrated talking with Coach Hart. Rowdy had, I think, three, maybe four swings in the batting cage. Corey Hart looked at him, observed it, did a complete biomechanical analysis, told him to do two things differently, and the change was instantaneous in how he was hitting the ball, and even just his confidence. Corey Hart, I swear, is a genius at, at looking at swings and looking at the biomechanics, picking out faults, 
and helping players improve. So to me, there's a lot of optimism that Biggio, Bichette, and Vladi has ha- have had time working with Corey Hart because I think that's an invaluable experience for what he brings to the table. The evidence is clear when it comes to the impact that uh, Corey Hart has uh, given to the players, especially the ones that have been sent back down. You reference uh, Rowdy Telez. We can even call upon uh, Lourdes Gurriel. We can talk about Teoscar Hernandez. All these players got sent down, and there were these minor tweaks to their approach at the plate that once they came back to the Blue Jays, it was evident that there was like a night and day improvement. And specifically with Lourdes Gurriel, with Te- um, with Rowdy Telez, rather, it's still, I don't want to say it's yet to be seen, but he's still pretty raw when it comes to how he's uh, approaching uh, his, his, you know, his eye at the plate, how he's picking his pitches, how he's pretty much just analyzing what is coming to him. Um, but you got to give credit. There have been these slight, improvements or slight modifications to their stance, the way they hold the bat, how they're fidgeting with the bat, all the above. And it's really become clear that that type of analysis is very valuable, like you said. And when it comes to um, what you reference of how maybe he'd be more valuable, maybe to some um, on the major league level, I can see that for sure. But at the same time, maybe these major league players, I don't want to say they're already fixed, but they don't really need that sort of improvement as much as a AAA player might need, right? Maybe a AAA player might need that extra step, that extra boost, that extra tweak in their approach to really propel them to the major league squad. So if the Bisons can hold on to him for as long as possible, I don't want to say it's a downgrade for him because I listened to the interview. He said it was his dream job. Um, I would like to keep him there as long as possible. It would be really great to have him with the Blue Jays for September or even for next year because a lot of times with those three players that you mentioned, they go down to the, the minors and then they have a week or two they get things back on track. And then they fall, I don't want to say that they fall into bad habits, but they get a, a small hitch in their swing. They're not popping their hips or exploding out of their hips, right? And if you were to have him next season with all these young players, so the big three and then the three that you talked about, I think it'd be beneficial because one of the things I talked with Corey Hart about, and this is my words and not his, Mm -hmm. is a lot of times major league players are kind of stuck in their ways. What works for them works for them, and they're not, I hate to say they're not receptive to change, but it's almost like a superstitious approach. Like They're very confident and happy with what they're doing. But watching Rowdy work with Corey Hart, I think there's no doubt in my mind the young Blue Jay would soak it up, and I think it would be invaluable for all the really talented guys, as long as they're up in the majors anyway. Like, it's almost, for lack of a better phrase, like you're almost wasting him if in AAA if all your really talented players are already up in the majors. Right, right. Do you think it's a matter of familiarity that would really, um, I don't want to say improve the squad, but maybe these players that um, are familiar with Corey Hart that have uh, grown with him, there may be some of them, if not all of them, all of them would be more receptive to his uh, constructive criticism at their with their approach at the plate? 
I think so. I think whether it's your teacher by the end of the year where you're more comfortable with that teacher in school or whether if you've been working for a boss for two or three years, you're able to take that feedback and grow from it. Meanwhile, as a new coach, you're kind of not standoffish, not hesitant, but that familiarity definitely helps when you have a relationship with a, a hitting coach. Mm. Uh, what about Meacham? Do you think Meacham has a uh, future as a manager in, in the major leagues, or do you think he's better suited for the AAA level? I think he's a perfect AAA coach, and he seems very happy and content. Similar to Corey Hart, I just feel that Meacham enjoys working with these kids and doesn't want to deal with all the media and all the junk. It's more pure for like a better better phrase in AAA and he's just the manager and he's just pouring into these kids and he's not dealing with maybe as much politics we should say <laughs> yeah yeah i can see that i can i can see the value on both ends it's just listening to him talk he just seems like a seasoned veteran manager that has been doing this agreed yeah you, know, you know he just seems like that raw authentic kind of guy that if given the chance he just at something about his verbiage just screams baseball to me and it's genuine and pure in nature i, I agree completely but that's also why I love him as a AAA coach. I think the final preparation for these young kids, having him, I think is invaluable. And just like I feel Corey Hart is a perfect AAA hitting coach, I think Bobby Meacham is a perfect AAA manager. The difference is with a hitting coach, you're doing that more of the biomechanics, all that kind of stuff, maybe off the field and in, in the batting cage and in batting practice and then watching them in games. I, I don't know if I'm maybe contradicting myself, but I, I feel Corey Hart would be amazing with the Jays for the next two seasons, if not longer. And I think Bobby Meacham, I just, I love him as a triple A manager. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's keep it moving here. We're talking about the youth. We're talking about their experiences in the minor leagues. Um, now that they've made their impact on the major league level, I'm talking all of them. Like I'm talking, we'll get, we'll break down TJ Zoic in a little bit, but we're, we're talking about Kevin Biggio. We're talking about Bo Bichette, even Vladimir Guerrero Jr., both Reese McGuire, Danny Jansen, all of them. Um, the youth has been a huge topic of conversation. This has been something that Blue Jays fans have been focused on and moreover waiting for, for this window of opportunity to sort of creep open. It's As you mentioned, I don't think the World Series is ready this year or next year for that matter, but I will admit that seeing them hit, seeing the production, even at the plate and in the field, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was accelerated a bit. So I just wanted to get your your take on this. What is your impression with this youth uh, surge in the organization? And when do you think this squad of young kids will be ready to compete for uh, a contending window into the postseason? I missed Vladi in Buffalo by, I think, two weeks. But I caught Bo Bichette. And seeing Bo Bichette up close, I mean this respectfully, 
but you can tell the kid hasn't even been shaving for so long. Mm. And then you, lo- you look at Vladdy's age and he's what, 19? Maybe he's 20? I'm not sure exactly the age. Like these are such young kids. And I compare it to the college football that I cover or college basketball. You, you'd want these teenagers to have at least a couple years into their 20s, so 23, 24, before you even kind of put that pressure on them. I think what Vladi's done with the home run derby and his home runs this year and his improvements at the plate, I think, is it Biggio who's hitting about 329 mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Like they're doing some amazing things. Bobachette just oozes potential too. Like they're gonna be great, but they're such young kids. Like I say, Bobachette is barely shaving yet, it seems. Like, I know he has a little bit on his chin now and some scratches there, but like seeing how close and personally, like, man, this kid is young. So I like the optimism. I like it for a couple of years. Like they're fun to watch right now. But I would just hesitate before trying to put that contending label on them. I want them to have a little slow marination so they can be a really good stake in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I think it's easy for Blue Jays fans to get a little ahead of themselves, right? I, I think the the high from 2015 and 2016 is still present like it's not as ubiquitous as it was you know maybe two years ago but it is still rumbling underneath a little bit and you know that when that window of opportunity opens I do feel like there's going to be this fire lit under the ass of Toronto much like we experienced with the Raptors but and look I'm not trying to take anything away from the Raptors and their accomplishments it was amazing like three million plus people at the parade that was ridiculous but there was something special about that Blue Jays postseason run both of them in 2015 and 16 that really ignited the city um so i think there's this sense of i don't want to say impatience but they're ready like the fans are ready for this to happen the problem that i see and again i don't want to shit on the front office because i do think they're doing you know overall a good job it's the vagueness of when this window is going to be it's the vagueness of when they're going to really push their chips all in it's the non-committal attitude that i think is frustrating fans so i kind of want to get your take on that do you think that that is something that fans should be worried about or do you think nah man just slowly roll be patient because when it happens it's going to be glorious i think the interesting thing is they have the bats, and I don't want to jump ahead too far into what you might have come up ahead. They have the bats, and with Rogers owning Sportsnet and the Blue Jays, I can see how fans in Ontario and even across Canada, with Sportsnet being across the the country here, mm-hmm. if they're making all this money off of TV and concessions and beer and ticket sales, like. Clearly, the Blue Jays for Rogers are a complete cash cow. Why are they not investing more into a starting lineup for next year? I think it's a great debate because do you need to invest next year? Or can you wait one more year? Drew Stoughton on The Athletic had a great article today on is called What Will the Blue Jays rotation look like a year from now. If anyone subscribes to The Athletic, I highly recommend it. It's a good read while you're supposed to be working. Um, 
but he drew has some really great insight into what the starting five could look like next season. I imagine it would, I'm not subscribed to the athletics. So I'd like to, to give my shot at this right now. I, I imagine it would include Barucky, um, if Zoic stays in the rotation, maybe him. Anthony Kay is looking to get a look this weekend, so he'd probably be slotted in. Shoemaker is making his way back, so maybe he's part of it. I'm not sure Pearson will be quite ready at the start of the season, so maybe they go out and sign a, a number four or five pitcher for a year. But otherwise, I think those four core group of players would make not a solid, but at least a somewhat less stressful uh, anchor to the rotation in comparison to what we have seen this year. You did a really good job of that. I will say he started off with a comparison. So back in November of 2012, right before that, it was the R.A. R. Dickey and then the Miami Marlins trade. Yeah, he they had a from the Mets. Yeah, yeah, they had a rotation. At the time, it looked great and young they had noah syndergaard i still yeah. <laughs> still rue that trade yep. brandon morrow justin nicolino and ricky romero mm -hmm. like those are some nice young arms but as we've seen over the past seven years none of those guys at least for the blue jays hit so when you have young pitchers it's kind of that let, let, let's have like 10 of them and we hope to hit, right? So then he goes into um, for this September, oh, September 2020 start. He has Wilmer Font and Nate Pearson as two guys to watch for September. Yes. And then, and then some other guys to watch are Trent Thornton, Anthony Kay, Ryan Borecki. I think I just killed that name. I apologize. Yep. And a sleeper who I didn't really know too much of, Patrick Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him uh, so, live in New Hampshire. He's he's pretty good. Yeah, and there's some guys that they target for like veterans, like Clay Boot, uh, Buckholtz. Yeah. I killed his name too. Sorry, Kyle <laughs> Gibson, Alex Wood, Matt Moore, Michael Waka, Drew Smiley. Like, there's some nice veteran guys you can have. And then who's um who's the dude that they signed got injured right in uh, spring training? Matt Shoemaker. Yeah, he could yeah. be a good fourth option, too. So you have one guy who's back for next year. You could get one more free agent for about $15 million a season. You're not breaking the bank. And then you have a bunch of these young arms, and you kind of hope that some of them stick. But I think going back to your question, I really... I'm going to backtrack here. I would like them to get a, a front end starter, even if that's upwards of 20 million. I consider that the cost of doing business at the major league level. If you have a bunch of young pitchers and you're just trying to piece things together, it's deflating for the clubhouse. You kind of need at least one front end pitcher. You have Shoemaker, who's that veteran. And then you have three young guys at the end of your rotation. You're hoping one at least sticks for the future. But I do think you have to invest. And it's not that it's not my money, so I shouldn't be this cavalier about it. But really, Adam, 20 million bucks for a front end starter. If you can't afford that, you, you really can't be in business right now. 
No, especially not in the major league level. But that's only if you're planning on competing, right? And as much as we want to downplay, and I'm not saying we're doing this intentionally. We're we're pretty much being we're we're very prudent when it comes to the Blue Jays' future and our expectations here right now. But when it comes to whether or not there is this window of opportunity, especially if you see it come spring training or whatnot, um, you need to, as you mentioned, pay up for that front of the rotation starter. Now, when it comes to how this front office has operated, they haven't really shown that they're willing to spend the big bucks on arms, right? And I think that's a trend that you're seeing throughout major league, uh, on the major league level right now. And I'm not sure I completely disagree with it. Like you see players getting these, or at least a couple of years back, you see these players get these five, six, seven year contracts and come year four, they're really not serviceable anymore, right? And you're still shelling out 20 to 25, maybe even $30 million a year where you could use that capital elsewhere to improve your squad you know uh continuously so i know and obviously we we've experienced this when it comes to the raptors you have to kind of pay an extra luxury tax when it comes to uh being able to subdue free agents to come north of the border. And again, that's not shitting on Canada or Toronto or anything. It's just kind of the facts when it it's comes the way to free it agents. Is. Yeah, it, it, you need to pay a little bit extra in order to entice these free agents to come to Canada. Hell, even Russell Martin, who is Canadian, you needed to throw in that fifth year in order for him to come to Toronto. So there is that you know, expectation when it comes to us as fans, and I'm sure the front office isn't blind to it. Do you have faith that they're going to actually put their their fingers in the wallet and say, okay, we're going to not only pay a little extra for have these free agent front of the front of the rotation pitchers to come in, but we're gonna pay maybe an extra year and we're gonna take that risk because come maybe two, three years from now, this team, as we have them projected, at least offensively, is going to be nothing but fire. So do you think do you have faith that this front office is going to pretty much do a one eighty and really shell out the cash in order to improve this squad? I love the question. I want to throw a mild curveball back at you. Sure. So you mentioned the Raptors and the front office did what needed to be done to pay that premium. That was Masai Ujiri. But above Masai Ujiri, MLSE, who owns the, the Raptors, were willing to pay that financial penalty, that luxury tax. Right. So I have to give Masai credit and MLSE. I look at the Blue Jays. And remember a couple of years ago, everyone thought, assumed, hoped that Alex Anthopoulos would be an instant re-signing. Yeah. And then somehow that got really sour and really weird and really awkward. And now he's doing amazing stuff. Well, he did his amazing with the Dodgers afterwards, and he's doing great stuff with the Braves. I look at this, and I can't help but wonder, this is going to infuriate Blue Jays fans, but... Is the problem the front office? Because I'm starting to wonder if it's now ownership and Rogers. I'm not sure. Like it, it, it is this 
it is this aspect that Rodgers, and it's not blind to anybody, that they view the baseball branch of their uh, business, right, as a business, right? So they, you have the phone side, the cable side, and I'm sure they have their hands dipped into a lot of other places within the realms of Canada. They're pretty much the mecca, right, in terms of uh, entertainment. Agreed. Yeah. Um, when it comes to how they want to finesse the financials for baseball, I'm not sure that they are baseball fans really gravitating and, you know, opening their eyes to how a baseball team ought to be operated in 2019. Yes, we are getting away from those long-term contracts. Yes, we are getting away from these like 200, 300, 400 million dollar contracts saved for maybe a handful that deserve it. The Bryce Harpers, the Mike Trouts, like the, the Manny Machados, like these players are anomalies. But when it comes to top tier players they're not getting these long-term contracts so i don't know that they're really privy to this information i would like to think they are and you mentioned the raptors i would like to think that after seeing the success of the toronto raptors and how it has really boosted the the income for toronto i saw this article that that the economy just skyrocketed as a result of the the raptors winning the championship you had the blue jays winning this championship winning a world series I can imagine that like doubling. I really do. I can see it being a little bit more successful because it's been around longer. It's a longer season. People are a little bit more invested into baseball, especially the diehard fans. I could really see a, a return on their investment should they really put their money where their mouths are. Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know that I really trust the the ownership and or the front office to push when necessary. I think they have shown a little bit more that they are reluctant to make those big splash moves and they are more likely to build within. And look, it's worked for some teams, right? The Astros are a pure example of how if you draft and develop, it could lead to a World Series. It's happened. It's there. But I don't know of really any other team that has done it with success. Maybe the Cubs, but again, maybe those teams are anomalies in and of themselves too. I go back to kind of what you've danced around. It's the word culture. When I've gone to college football games in the States, the culture from the time you park your car to the time you come back to your car, it, it, it's a cultural, it's, it's an emotional experience that is just, it's phenomenal. And whether there's baseball games they've been to in the States, like Wrigley or Fenway, like it's just a cultural thing. And we got a little glimpse of that with the Raptors playoff run this season. From the time they beat Philadelphia, things just ratcheted up in the city. And the fans have that potential. But I wonder if, like you said earlier, if Rodgers is so focused on this being one of the wings of their business that it, it's not able to take on culturally and passionately the same way that the Raptors did or that most college and professional sports take off in their markets in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and I'm hoping that, you know, because Rodgers is a part of the MLSE brand, 
right? They are, they have an investment stake into that. So I'm hoping that after seeing the success, right? And even the Leafs to a certain degree, after seeing the success of these teams, maybe they're, they'll be like, all right, like we sort of want to emulate that, right? We want to have our 100%. hands in that. Yeah. And they can have it well, all Well, because Sportsnet too. owns, had half of the Raptors telecast. There you go. So the, so numbers don't comes to tv ratings like the raptors were consistently destroying the nhl playoffs which is a sentence i never <laughs> ever thought i would say but the raptors were for may and june the ratings king here in canada even with the cup playoffs going down so with Sportsnet having all the NHL rights here and then half of the Raptors, they are well aware of those metrics and what those ratings mean. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, we talked on the rotation and what we projected to be. Um, I kind of want to shine the spotlight on TJ Zoic. Um, he made his uh, Blue Jays debut last night against the Braves in Atlanta. He wasn't bad, and actually, given the nerves that he was probably feeling, it was pretty good. Um, the cutter looked sharp. Did the sinker look good? The control was a bit off, but again, you can probably chalk that up to nerves. Um, Again, there was an opener last night. I don't know what you call the guy that comes in after the opener. Like, I, I'm still, is he the first reliever? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he's not he a sloppy seconds, is, yeah. is he? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Uh, he went four innings, giving up three hits, two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Um, the four strikeouts, that's, that's what I like to see when it comes to a young player. Um, he pitched a no-hitter for Buffalo, um, so there's something there. There's something exciting that when it comes to TJ Zoic. I'm not sold that he's going to be a complete fixture for this starting rotation, but stranger things have happened. So what do you think? Do you think he's in a position to be an anchor point of this future starting five? Or do you think maybe like this is great, but he's probably better off of the bullpen? What do you think? The Golden State Warriors, I hate to keep bringing basketball up, no, but the whole, how they had the whole, the whole strength in numbers, right? They had depth, they had youth, they had a bunch of options. And I think major league pitching, especially with young arms, you have to have that strength in numbers. The, we talked about this earlier on the podcast. The, the Jays have around 10 arms that could be in their five-man rotation next year. And so you go, to, you go to training camp in Dunedin, you see how things flesh out. You hope one of these young guys, whether it's TJ or Pearson or Kay, you hope one of them have put a lot of work in this winter and have come ready for that challenge. But you have so many young arms that it wouldn't be the worst thing if four or five of these 10 are doing middle relief and, and, and you get that experience that way as well. So it's really tough. Like, remember that 2012 roster in November? Yeah. Yeah, Noah Syndergaard took off. Ricky Romero, you thought was going to be a stud, and yeah. I, man, what happened to him? And then there was a couple other guys on that list where you're like, oh, ooh, because they were so hyped by Baseball America. You're like, okay, we're going to have this great rotation moving forward, and we trade the best guy off, and the other guys just kind of fizzle. So... The whole strength in numbers, I think, is huge. TJ, like you mentioned, he's flashed that potential. He showed it in Buffalo. He's shown some glimpses here with the Blue Jays. I just think it's advantageous that we have so many young arms. 
odds that 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 one, maybe even two that pop are then in our favor. But it's so so hard, even for the experts to predict uh, the the future of these young arms. Uh, and man, I hate to even put any money on this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and but I don't know the 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 rotation as we've discussed. It's so murky, right? And it's that obvious point that you're like this needs to be upgraded and to the front office's credit they have done what they could in ter- in terms of the trade market this past um trade deadline to really improve the depth in the in the system and uh, whether or not you want to agree with trading Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman away that's a completely different story it's a done deal but you got to give him credit for at least trying right and Anthony K as we've discussed is probably going to be part of this rotation next year a because he's an Atkinson Shapiro guy now and B he's shown the ability to be pretty decent in Buffalo, right? He's shown some signs of life and with TJ Zoic, since we're we're focusing on him, I would like to just give him the shot, right? If, if next year, if we're reading the tea leaves and next year isn't the, the best year to really go for it. But again, stranger things may have happened. Maybe the blue Jays will be in a position to be a second wild card contender. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But if that's the case of next year, it's just maybe another quote unquote throwaway year. Let's see what we got. Right. Let's see what we got. Make him a part of this rotation. See what we got in him, so we know whether or not to make those moves in the future. Right. It's it's good to know whether or not one of the prospects is really living up to the hype or not. Because, as I've mentioned on the show before, prospect porn is a thing. Right. We get attached to it. We really like to see it, and we overvalue our guys. But watching them when they come in, they don't pan out. As you mentioned, like Ricky Romero, or if we're gonna dig back further, or Kyle Drayback. Like we get really excited about these guys, and they don't pan out. Mm, then what do we do? Like we need to be prepared. So when it comes to whether or not I think he's going to be a fixture of this rotation, I'm not sold yet. But I'm certainly open to the idea of letting him go a full season so we know for sure what we have sloppy second (laughs) prospect porn we have really really (laughs) gone off the rails in this segment uh it's a thing man you know like you got to keep the listeners interested oh it definitely (laughs) is people fall in love with prospects and then like we were saying earlier with young arms you never know how or if they're going to develop and you can fall in love with them in AAA, especially in AA, but the majors, man, a whole other beast, especially with the level of scouting and then the superior talent. Like, it's it's tough. If you fall in love with a AA pitcher or even a AAA pitcher, it's no guarantee that they're going to convert and be a stud in the majors. Or they could be for the first month. And then hitting coaches... And opponents scout them, and then it's a complete game changer. Yeah. Yeah, like I mentioned before when we uh, brought up Patrick Murphy, I've seen him live in AA. I've seen him in New Hampshire, and I was kind of awestruck by him. I, I really liked what I saw, but then I had to tell myself, like, look, this is still AA, right? Anything could happen from now until even the next start. He could just, like, fall off the rails, right? Do I anticipate a guy like Patrick Murphy moving up to AAA next year? Yeah, sure. I, I, I anticipate him maintaining his status on the Bisons pretty much the entire year until September of 2020. But 
Am I sold that he's going to be a guy that the Blue Jays can rely on? No, he's a jag, right? He's just a guy, right? For now, he's just a guy. I like what I've seen, but for now, he's just a guy. Maybe he turns out to be something more. I don't know. But when it comes to prospects, that's just it. You just don't know. Very few of them are sure things. Like Vladimir Guerrero was pretty much closest thing to a sure thing that we got. And now you can throw Bo Bichette into that as well. Like he's and definitely. Bigio. Yeah, and Biggio. Like, I guess Lourdes Gurriel right now. No, he's no longer. He's a pretty prospect. close. Yeah, yeah. Like he. It, thank God that they put him in left field because they struck lightning in a bottle right there and they, and they got something special that they can carry over for years to come. But when, my point is that when it comes to prospects, you just don't know, right? And and although that they had the confidence to bring Zoic up in, in September right now to, to put in a sloppy seconds performance of four innings, that's great. <laughs> but, like, obviously people know this is a small sample size, but, like, let's pump the Jets. I'm not sure that he's really that big of an investment moving forward, and there's a good chance... There's a, there's a better chance that he doesn't pan out than he does. That's just the nature of prospects. That's not taking anything away from his abilities or talents. I'm just saying the 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 statistics show that most prospects just don't pan out. So circling back to what we said and kind of putting a, a ribbon and a bow on this, I, I feel it would really behoove the Blue Jays to spend 35 to 40 million to get two front end pitchers it's worth spending a little bit of money for some front-end starters and then your young guys will have that same pressure to perform and, and be the front-end guys maybe that's what happened to ricky romero and aaron sanchez and 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 stroman like there's too much pressure too quick and they couldn't fully develop and or get comfortable that like, like they, they maybe wanted to or should have at the major league level um again that's just just my thoughts on that yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I do think there's value in having that veteran presence um, in the locker room, especially to to relieve the pressure or maybe to educate these young kids on how to handle the pressure. Um, I, I think there's value in that, and I think that's what Stroman was saying in the beginning of the year when he went on his tangent to the media that about how there's not enough veteran leadership on this team and they could use more. I see the value in that. I just don't know that this front office, bringing it back to before, I don't know that they're going to be willing to shell out that cash. So I think they're in a position right now that they're going to live and die with what they drafted. And if it doesn't pan out, we have a long waiting period ahead of us. I could get really scary, man. And it's just really so unfortunate because these bats have so much potential. And they're so cheap right now, Adam. Like, relatively cheap, considering, like, what Bryce Harper and Manny signed for this last winter. Like, you can round out your roster by spending 40 to $45 million on some pitching, and it shouldn't kill your budget. Right. If anything, it would give the young kids a boost in the arm that the front office and ownership believe in them. Again, that's just my take, but I, I hear what you're saying, too. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right. Speaking of young players, speaking of, you know, we talked about the Blue Jays being out of contention officially, numerically, and mathematically. Look, this is the last month of the season, right? And again, watching a losing club isn't the most attractive thing in the world, but 
As we've also mentioned, there's a lot of youth coming in through the system for the September call-up, still having these young players like Vlad, Bo, Kevin on the team. There's really something to see there. So in your opinion, maybe it's just the youth, but what, in your opinion, should motivate fans to continue watching all these games, going to Sky Dome, going to the Rogers Center, whatever you want to call it, supporting this team in terms of numbers and fan uh, volume at the stadium? What is the, the biggest reason for you to continue to support this team in September? Because they're fun to watch. And I think you almost, it's like investing in a relationship. You have to put a little bit of time in there, build that relationship up. Like the young bats are so much fun to watch. And there's so many things that are happening with their middle infielders making fun plays. And yeah, it might be tough with some of these young pitchers when they're getting lit up like a Christmas tree sometimes. But let's hold on to the last little bit of summer. Let's use that vivid seats promos, get some nice cheap tickets. Let's go out, catch a game. And if it's a blowout, just enjoy some good old beer. Have some fun. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, you know, like there is something a little bit different uh, in comparison to other Blue Jays down years, right? Other Blue Jays down years, there was really no... There's hope, which is... Yes. It's amazing when there's hope involved. Yes. Like you have this aspect of hope and, and aspirations for what may be, and you're seeing it blossom in front of your eyes. Whereas before you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like what, what, what are we going to do this off season? Are we going to sign another like low level scrub? Are we going to scrape against the dumpster to see what we get? We don't have that sort of problem right now. Like right now we have highly touted guys, highly respected guys on our team that I think other other uh, talent scouts around the MLB are privy to this information that they think in a couple of years, this team's going to be dangerous. Like watch out. I remember in 2013, I think it was when the Astros were just terrible. They were just a terrible team. I was listening to baseball central. This was back when uh, Jeff Blair was uh, hosting the show with Dirk Hayhurst and Hayhurst on the show said, watch out for the Astros in a couple of years. They're doing it right. They're drafting and developing. And that system is crazy. Good. They might suck now uh, in the major league level, but watch out for them in the future. And that has always stuck with me because I'm thinking maybe talent scouts or people in the know are saying the same thing about the Blue Jays right now. Maybe they're saying like in a couple of years, this team is really going to click and they're going to become something special and they're going to be a force to reckon with. And dare I say, maybe they're going to be even more dangerous than what we experienced in 2015 and 16. Maybe there's longevity on our side that we didn't have in 2015 and 16. 16 that we can really hold on to and say, this team is not only going to be good in a couple of years, they're going to be good for a couple more years after that. So we really have this opportunity in front of us to watch them blossom and to see it in front of our eyes and say, we were there back in 2019 when a lot of other uh, fans weren't. And we saw these young kids raw as hell and we saw them develop in front of our eyes. I agree with everything you just said, (laughs) and I don't have anything substantial to add. I apologize. You hammered it. You knocked it out of the park. Thanks, man. Well, here's what we can add. We got a four-game series this coming weekend in Tampa Bay in the House of Horrors for, like I said, four-game weekend series. Let's just give our predictions for that. We can call it a show. Like I said, four games. Maybe this is optimistic. 
I got them splitting. I'm take. I'm having them take two out of four. What do you think? I was going to say the exact same thing, but because I'm vengeful and I want to kind of put a nail in their playoff hopes and kind of eh, stick it to them because they've been a thorn in the side for the Blue Jays for how long? Yeah, I know. And I'm just sick of it and I'm spiteful and I want these young kids to at least take two games and just really mess with Tampa's playoff chances. Like I said, I think Anthony Kay is starting Saturday, so that's going to be a little fun. Don't hold me to that. I might be wrong about that, but I think word on the street is he's going to get a call and start Saturday. Um, And if he comes out, you know, there's no real scouting report on him in terms of the major league level, so maybe the Rays get caught with their pants down and the Blue Jays have a nice little show there. There you go. That's another reason to watch. You can watch Anthony Kay maybe... Maybe. Pants down, yeah. sloppy seconds. What? We're gone off, officially off the rails, man. <laughs> maybe those that were upset with the Strowman trade, maybe now you can watch what we got, the you know the return for him, or at least part of it, and say, you know what? It's not that bad. Maybe this can bring in that level of optimism that you guys need. So I'm going to say split. Fuck it. Let's just go. Two out of four. Let's do it. I'm co-signing. Like I said, two out of two, at least two. I want to be greedy, and I love three, just to really mess with Tampa. Let's go three. You know, let's get crazy. It's it's September, right? Let's go three. All right, um, that's gonna wrap it up for today, Ryan. Thank you so much. I know, like you and I usually talk basketball, but it's good to you know sort of flip the script a little bit. You know the deal. This is your opportunity to promote any and everything you got going on. I know we're both part of the Overtime Media crew. You got NBA Overtime coming up soon. I know the season is ramping up again. Any and everything you got going on, floor is yours, my friend. If you are a college football fan, I am on the field for about 10 games this year. I'm doing three at Michigan, three at Purdue, one at Penn State, one at Auburn, and one at Missouri. I I love what I'm doing. I get to be on the field, shoot video, and spice up these clips, do like a two, three-minute little highlight clip of players and plays and just the the bands and all that kind of stuff. So if you go to our YouTube channel, look for Athletes Unfiltered. I call the clips field access. It's it's fun stuff. If you're a basketball fan, go to the YouTube channel. I have basketball drills with NBA players. It's been a real hit with uh, teens and younger players trying to emulate their favorite players. So that's been fun. I am on Twitter at I can give fans the inside scoop of whatever event or game I'm covering, baseball, football, basketball, wherever I'm at, I'm giving the scoop. Um, and I have the NBA Overtime Podcast. I also have Athletes Unfiltered with Ryan McNeil. And it is a bunch of interviews with players and coaches from all the events that I cover. All the links to all the above will be in the description of the show. All of it. Thank I'll you. have yeah, Thank absolutely. You. I have the uh, I'll have the Twitter in the description, the website address, the YouTube's, both of the podcasts. So you guys, it's easy. Just click on it in the description. Subscribe. Game over. You're good. And while you're at it, give Ryan five stars on both. Give him five stars for NBA overtime and give him five stars. Yes, for please. Thank you. Yeah, hell yeah. This is what we're all about. And while you're at it, while you're uh, listening to the show, 
why don't you give us five stars too? If you haven't subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Subscribe, leave us five stars on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this show on. We're on all of them. Shoot us five stars. Shoot us a review. We appreciate it. I am at Adam Corsier. Ryan is at at Ryan uh, McNeil. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. Go Raptors. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.